Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Jessica, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to Whitecap Resources' fourth quarter and year-end 2021 results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star, then the number two. I would now like to turn it over to Whitecaps President and CEO, Mr. Grant Fagerheim. You may begin your conference call. Thank you, Jessica. And good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us here today. Here with me are three members of our senior management team, our senior vice president and CFO, Tom Kang, as well as Joel Armstrong, senior vice president of production and operations, and Dave Mombercat, senior vice president of business development and information technology. Before we started today, I would like to remind everybody that all statements made by the company during this call are subject to the same forward-looking disclaimer and advisory that we set forth in our news release that was issued earlier this morning. 2021 was an exceptional year for Whitecap, capping off the successful execution of our strategy to improve the profitability and sustainability of our business through multiple transactions over the past 18 months. As a result of the consolidation initiatives that we embarked upon in early 2020, we have positioned the company to accelerate return of capital to shareholders while maintaining financial flexibility through a strong balance sheet and disciplined capital spending. Although 2021 was a year filled with several asset and personal uh, personnel integrations, our teams kept their foot on the gas and ensured that the ongoing operational and financial success was achieved for our shareholders. For 2021, we generated $1.1 billion of funds full on capital spending of $428 million before acquisitions. We also paid $126 million in dividends and bought back $164 million worth of common shares for $290 million of direct shareholder returns. Along with the continued operational momentum that we have shown with our fourth quarter results released this morning, we also announced a 33% increase to our dividend which is the fourth increase since the start of 2021, to $0.36 per share annually, or $0.03 per share on a monthly basis. This new dividend level is not only consistent with our return of capital priority and our 2022 capital allocation plans, but it's sustainable down to a stress-tested level of $45 WTI and below that for the foreseeable future. With respect to our new energy team advancements, we continue to progress several carbon capture initiatives related to the energy transformation to a lower carbon economy. An example of this is the announcement yesterday to manage a carbon sequestration hub to serve industrial facilities in Alberta's heartland, industrial heartland. We believe that this partnership between ourselves, Wolf Midstream, Air Products, and other industrial parties, along with the Indigenous Ownership Group, will be successful uh, given our diverse backgrounds and experience with several aspects of the proposed project. At this time, I would like to pass this on to Joel Armstrong to comment on our ongoing operations. Thanks, Grant. 
2021 was a very busy year with the fourth uh, quarter being the busiest with our accelerated capital program and the full impact of new acquisitions. Whitecap and contractors completed 2.3 million person hours with only three minor recordable injuries. This delivered an exceptional safety performance with a total recordable injury frequency rate of 0.25 for the quarter and 0.26 for the full year. The quarter and full year were also notable for significant expenditures on ARO throughout our operations where we were able to abandon 369 wells and receive 38 reclamation certificates throughout the year. Finally, the business was able to manage through the worst of the pandemic with no meaningful impact on business continuity or performance. We're in the middle of a very active first quarter program which peaked at 12 drilling rigs and deployed upwards of three frack crews and expect to, expect to spend approximately 50% of our full year capital program in the first half of the year. As we think about the second half program, we do see continued inflationary pressures with WTI currently trading above $90 a barrel and ACO above $4 a GJ. We are in constant dialogue with our service providers or in an advantageous position due to our scale and over the next month as we complete our contracting for services, we will have a better sense as to the potential cost escalations to expect in the second half of the year. And I'll pass it on to Tom to comment on our financial results and outlook. Thanks, Jules. We had a record year in 2021, generating $1.1 billion of funds flow and $670 million of free funds flow. On a per-share basis, this was up 72% and 92% over the prior year as commodity prices regained momentum throughout the year and we realized the benefits of our acquisition strategy that started in 2020. For the fourth quarter, funds flow with $351 million, or $0.55 cents per diluted share, was driven by strong fourth-quarter production of approximately 120,000 BOEs per day, and WTI averaging just over $77 U.S. per barrel, and Edmonton Par averaging over $93 Canadian per barrel. The combination of our natural gas production being over 100 million, 180 million cubic feet per day, and eco natural gas prices of $4.66 per MCF during the quarter had a positive impact on revenue, with our fourth quarter natural gas revenue being 43% higher than all of last year. From a cash cost perspective, we were able to meet or exceed our guidance for the fourth quarter. The teams continue to work hard to meet the numbers, especially from an operating perspective, given the severe cold snap that hit at the end of December. The 33% dividend increase announced today equates to $56 million of incremental dividends on an annual basis further contributing to our return of capital strategy. We also have 7 million shares remaining on our current NCIB, and we'll look to renew that when it expires in May. Our balance sheet remains in great shape with net debt of approximately $1.2 billion at year-end and over $800 million of liquidity on our credit facility. Debt to EBITDA ratio uh, at year-end was 0.9 times and is expected to further improve in 2022 with 50% of our discretionary funds flow being allocated to the balance sheet for the, fun, for the financial flexibility to improve our business through strategic M&A if the right opportunities present themselves. We're also transitioning to a sustainability-linked loan with our banking syndicate on our full credit facility. The loan is linked to two key emission reduction performance targets, being a 15% reduction to our Scope 1 and 2 greenhouse gas emission intensity by 2025, and a 30% reduction to our methane emission intensity by 2025, 
The cumulative pricing adjustment related to these two targets is five basis points, which now ties financial incentives to our emission reduction targets. To follow up on Joel's comments on inflationary pressures, we do have to look at cost inflation in the context of changing cash flows. When we first put our 2022 capital budget to the market, we were using a $70 WTI price deck, and now we're using $80, and obviously the current WTI price is much higher than that. The incremental cash flow um, on $10 is approximately $300 million relative to any potential inflationary pressures we expect to see in the second half of the year. Our team will be doing the best to mitigate these pressures as we continue to contract for services. Our guidance for 2022 is unchanged at this time and will, will be further reviewed once we complete our first quarter drilling and operational activities. We forecast average production between 130 to 132,000 BOEs per day on capital spending between 510 to 530 million. On strip pricing, we'll be generating funds flow in excess of $2 billion, resulting in discretionary funds flow of approximately $1.3 billion after capital and the increased dividend. I'll now pass it on to Dave to go through some of our recent new energy highlights. Thanks, Con. We have made uh, good progress on several initiatives over the past few months. Our experience and technical expertise with carbon sequestration has proved to be a significant advantage as industrial companies look to find reliable partners to move forward with decarbonization efforts. The Alberta Carbon Hub proposal that was announced yesterday is a very unique partnership between multiple groups that have a lot of experience across the project life cycle. The partners include Wolf Carbon Solutions, who operates the ACTL, which is the largest existing CO2 trunk line in Canada. Whitecap, with our extensive sequestration experience, which includes our MMV, Measurement Monitoring and Verification Program, to ensure the carbon stays permanently sequestered, and also the Indigenous Ownership Group, who bring strong stakeholder relationships and traditional knowledge and historical perspectives for the project. As well, industrial parties that have signed agreements, such as Air Products, bring the industrial expertise and drive to transition to a lower carbon economy. We feel that this project can provide a safe, reliable, low-cost solution that will be available to all the companies in Alberta's industrial heartland in an expedited time frame, given the infrastructure already in place. At Jockery, we recently extended our CO2 supply contract and have opted into Alberta's tier program. As a result of this, we expect that we can fully offset our CO2 costs through generating tier credits beginning in 2023. Although the dollar amounts with this project are small, we believe that this model is something that can be replicated and are encouraged by what we have been able to accomplish with this asset after acquiring it early last year. Lastly, on our Saskatchewan Carbon Hub project, we announced today that we have three MOUs signed, which represents an aggregate reduction in CO2 emissions of 0.9 to 1.6 million tons per year. Our initial feasibility work on this project is ongoing with full feed study expected to commence in the second half of 2022. With that, I'll now turn the uh, call over to the operator for questions. Ladies and gentlemen, as stated, if you do have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and should you wish to withdraw your question, simply press star followed by two. We do ask that if you're using a speakerphone to please lift your handset before pressing any keys. 
please go ahead and press star one now if you have a question. Our first question comes from Patrick O'Rourke of ATB Markets. Please go ahead. Oh, hey guys, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question here. Um, I, I don't know if you discussed this. I had a little bit of a technical difficulty where things went blank for a few moments there, but I just wanted to, and not to beat a dead horse here because I know you get this question nearly every quarter, just wanted to think about um, capital allocation, free cash flow, capital allocation priorities back to shareholders. Obviously, you increased the dividend 33% um, with the current quarter. And how you think about that growth glide path there, it's only 11% right now. You talk about a $45 break even to fund that dividend. Um, some inflationary pressure, obviously, you're also mentioning here, so maybe that comes up. Is it you start to see, you know, the, the downside of oil goes from 45 to 55, and that's how you adjust the dividend going forward? Or how are you guys uh, thinking about those decisions? Yes, thanks for the uh, the, comment, the question there, Patrick. It's uh, Ton. Uh, what we've committed to the market is that we would return 50% of our discretionary funds flow. That would be after capital, after dividends to our shareholders here. And as, as you've mentioned, um, you know, to date we've repurchased some shares, we've increased the dividend. Um, you know, given where Strip is currently, there's still approximately 400 million left that we're going to return to our shareholders here. Just on the dividend side, you know, we do mark everything down to $45 WTI at this particular time. But you're right. I mean, oil is touching or was over $100 this morning here. And so what, what is that right, you know, low case? You know, we're still using 45 at this time. The other component of that is from a share buyback perspective. You know, we did purchase 19.3 million shares in the fourth quarter last year. You know, if there's an ability for us to be more chunky, towards, you know, clearing the market uh, on large blocks that are available. That's what we'd like to do on, on a portion of our discretionary funds flow. And then as we realize the cash flow, you know, there's considerations around, you know, the dividends, whether that's going to be a, a variable or special or base. Our priority at this particular time is the base level of dividend. But regardless of, you know, the NCIB or dividends, um, you know, we'll look to return half of that back to our shareholders. I think what we have to to recognize, though, is that, you know, we're just at the end of February right now. So, you know, there's 10 more months, um, you know, that we have to realize these cash flows uh, and, and actually put it in the bank before looking at distributing it back to our shareholders. Yeah, thanks, Phil. You guys have done a good job there. I guess, you know, we're all um, pretty positive on the commodity and the free cash flow perspective and, and you know, just protecting that downside, knowing when commodities have collapses, we don't want to see the dividend cut. So um, that sounds like a good philosophy. Just to shift gears and one more real quick question. Um, in terms of the announcement yesterday with Wolf, I'm just wondering, you know, with things coming on, on in 2024, is there a capital commitment outlay from Whitecap, what the time frame of that would be, and then how sort of the revenue stream looks? And just wondering, in the longer-term perspective here, you've got all these carbon management initiatives. Is there a point in time where we could see sort of a standalone carbon management uh, division uh, out of Whitecap that's, you know, realizing material economics for the company? Hey, Patrick. It's uh, Dave Mumberkett here. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, talking about the capital allocation and that, you know, we're very early on in, in the project and, of course, we have some initial estimates, but we're not really talking about anything at this time because there's a lot more uh, 
work we have to do in terms of how many industrial partners we'll get and the size of the project, et cetera, and then also a feed study that will have to be done and lots, lots more work on that side. Um, Ton, in terms of a, a carbon uh, company or something like that, I think we're a little far off from, from that at this point in time, but I don't know if you have any other comments. Yeah, I think the focus for us at this time is aggregating as much um, emissions and getting the large industrial emitters signed up, both in Saskatchewan and Alberta. I think once we you know, get a little bit more clarity around federal government, ITCs, what the carbon uh, credit market looks like, we'll be able to structure it. And so the, I think the structuring will happen after we get clarity and, and once we uh, aggregate as much CO2 as we can. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Patrick. Your next question comes from Jeremy McRae with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, guys. I was curious, just with oil being where it's at, how the M&A market is looking and shaping up here for 2022. You guys were pretty busy last year. Does things look easier or harder for this year? What can we expect for 2022? And then maybe just a second question here. At what point do you guys look to potentially increase your spending levels? I know a lot of it's being focused on, you know, more shareholder, you know, you know, returns. But um, is there a level of commodity prices where you do look to expand your, your spending? And especially, do you have any new inventory that kind of works at these prices here now? Sure, Jeremy. Thank you. Just regarding M&A, yes, it was an extremely busy year, um, 2021, on the follow-on to 20. We think consolidation continues uh, uh, into tw this year, 22 and 23, um, but that is really going to be dependent upon what buyer and seller expectations are. Um, I don't think that you're going to find anyone that would be looking to buy based on strip pricing today uh, at this particular time. So um, it is really going to depend upon you know what the, the seller expectations are. Um, I think you have to. We all have to understand that we're we're in a, a very um, we'll call highly charged time from a, a political standpoint, and um, we'll have to wait to resolve that a little bit to see where commodity prices are. And we have to, I think, on the M&A side, we really have to look at, you know, what, what what's the expectations for commodity prices long term, both as far as uh, oil prices and natural gas prices. So um, we'll look at that. We think there is a, a, a lot of consolidation that will continue to take place. Uh, we believe that we can play in that market uh, um, if it adds value for our shareholders and makes us more profitable and sustainable. So we'll be um, actively looking at things. So whether or not we'll be transacting um, is uh, for, for the benefit of our shareholders um, will remain to be seen. But we, we certainly cannot um, look at, at today's price, um, you know, just shy of $100 WTI oil, WTI oil and expect that that's going to run for the longer term. As far as spending level, that you know kind of falls into the next category of spending levels. Um, um, you know, this year with the amount of free cash flow that's being generated, um, we want to make those decisions, as Tom alluded to, on the potential to increase our capital spending in the back half of the year. Um, but the, the the process that we go through is we'll get our first quarter capital program, we'll have our production and a good understanding technically as to where we're at. Um, with the capital what was being spent in the first quarter, we'll look at uh, what the future inflationary costs are going to be, um, as well as the backdrop with uh, commodity prices, and that will uh, determine that will help us determine um, if we should, when we should uh, increase our capital program, 
um, for the balance of the year potentially in the sometime in the back half of, of 22 and into 23. So um, that's where we're at uh, right now. I, I, we're not going to jump ahead. I think that one of, one of the benefits to the, the North American energy sector has been the amount of discipline that's been deployed um, with capital spending and uh, return of capital versus just uh, focused on, on growth and return on capital. So we believe that the discipline um, is important to, to emphasize, and I think that the Canadian energy space will um, will continue to follow suit with that. Um, but uh, we could have marginal increases with, with capital program as we move forward once we have more results, understanding of inflationary pressures and, and, uh, and what the commodity price deck will look like for the, for the future. Yeah, the only thing I'd, I'd okay. add to that, uh, Jeremy, is if you look at our production per share growth this year, you know, it's already at 11%. So, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, increases to capital, it's, it's, the focus is primarily going to be around strategic enhancements to our, our current inventory, uh, as well as looking to position ourselves for another strong year in 2023. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Ed. Your next question comes from Joseph Schachter of Schachter Energy. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys, and uh, congratulations on a great year and uh, the dividend increase and the share buybacks, uh, all great year. I have uh, two areas I wanted to cover. Uh, with these high prices, uh, where are you on your hedging, and uh, has this uh, you know, windfall war <laughs> pricing uh, given you a, a change where you can uh, maybe lock in some more pricing uh, going later into the year? Uh, to protect your capital program and also to uh, take advantage of these lofty prices, which may may or may not last, uh, you know, a few weeks from now, if uh, once things settle down on on this on this, you know, invasion issue. Yeah, it's it's Ton here, um, and I think you know when we look at our hedging program, the objective that we have is really to use it as a tool to ensure that, you know, our cash flows can cover off both our dividend, including the increased dividend that we just announced, as well as our, our capital, uh, including our growth capital as well. And so if you look at our hedge book today, uh, in 2022, we're about 16% hedged, and our break-even to cover capital and dividends is about $40 WTI. And then in 2023, with just 20 or just 12% hedged, our break-even is actually $45 WTI. So the hedge book uh, and, and our, our cost structure is very strong that allows us to be able to fully fund ourselves down to these levels. What we don't want to do is add speculation into our, um, into our hedging strategy, and so that's really been the objective. We're happy with the 22 and 23 positions at this time here, um, you know, really to take advantage of what we're seeing as high commodity prices, and we don't know where it's going to go at this particular time. We just did a position this morning looking out to 2024, we did 2,000 barrels a day. Uh, and with the backwardation in the curve, we've been focused more on the costless collar positions. We did an 80 by 112 uh, collar. You know, those are very, very strong numbers to be able to achieve that in 2024. So really that's what we've done on, on our hedge here is, you know, not be speculative, but really just make sure that our break-evens are $45 or below. Yeah, and Joseph, just, just to, to kind of emphasize uh, Tom's point, I mean, that the... What we're trying to do is, is ensure that we have enough capital on a go-forward basis for the next three-year period of time for our maintenance capital to keep our production at least flat and pay a dividend consistent 
dividend on a go-forward basis. So in, as Tom referenced, the backwardation from current prices of $97 um, to going out to, to 2024, uh, right now at $74, that, that is a, a, a huge amount of backwardation. When I talked about the M&A market earlier, um, we have to be aware of the, what, the, what the market looks for the longer term at this particular time. So hedging, um, all we're trying to do is protect our our cash flows for maintenance capital as well as uh, growth capital and then our dividend on a, on a sustainable basis. Okay, good. Second question for me, um, if I may. Um, in terms of your F&D costs versus the M&A pricing now, there must be, um, you know, your, your, your refining costs must be, of course, much lower than the current transactions that, that may or may not be, you know, the, the, from the seller's point of view, what they might want. Does it pay for you to increase the amount of spending that you do for land uh, to, around your core areas? Uh, go to, you know, go to the crown, uh, do farmings on people who aren't active, and 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 get yourself a bigger uh, drilling inventory. So it's interesting. At, at this time, we have a very large inventory. We're, we're we expect to drill somewhere between 180 to 190 wells this year, Joseph, and and we have 5,400 wells in inventory um, uh, that we've just updated uh, with type curves, etc. And, and you know we run all economics on, on all of our inventory to see what that looks like. So at this particular time, I don't think um, we have to go out and, and uh, look to, uh, unless it's the very robust economics, to, um, um, look to add more land to our inventory. Um, we're always looking to uh, increase our inventory and improve our inventory from a sustainability perspective. But we have a very large inventory of opportunities at this time to be uh, selecting from. And, and one of the areas I think we... Uh, we're spending time looking at is how, how do we advance uh, cost-effectively some of the inventory to take advantage of the higher commodity price environment. Um, so we're doing uh, lots of analysis with the teams. We're doing lots of analysis on that at this particular time. So just buying incremental land um, uh, at this particular time, I'm not sure is um, the best uh, um, use of our capital uh, funds going forward. Okay, super. Thanks for the information. Thanks for taking my questions, and congratulations again. Thanks, Joseph. Thank you. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. Your next question comes from Brian Zinchuk with Pipeline Online. Please go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I'm curious about the memorandum of understanding regarding CO2 in Saskatchewan. Uh, last fall, you did one of Federated Co-op who are the other two with? Uh, we we do have one of the MOUs is with K Plus S, the potash uh, company out out there in the Belle Plaine area, and we're not disclosing the names of the of the other parties at this time. We need approval well, need to, to disclose names. Yeah. Uh, can we expect that any time in the near future? Well, for certain, we will once we uh, complete the feasibility studies, Brian. Uh, we'll work together on the feasibility studies with them. Um, so, and at, at that particular time, when there's more, more uh, disclosure that we can provide, um, that then, then we'll do that. We'll, we'll provide to the market the information as we have it, as and when we have it available to us, and, yeah. and are allowed to. 
Yeah, and it's Dave here again. And, and as you can imagine, all of these uh, parties that we're dealing with, they all have their own plans in terms of announcing their carbon decarbonization strategies. So some of them are, are very large companies across, you know, the world, et cetera. So they always need to, to see at what time point they, you know, on their time schedule they want to release that they're, they're doing these activities. But we definitely have very strong uh, conversations and agreements in place with, with several other parties. Do you have uh, many other uh, companies you're talking to, or is this kind of a, uh, used up the list of who you're looking at for potential uh, clients for this? Yeah, Brian, we're in conversation with large industrial emitters uh, across Western Canada at this particular time. <clears throat> okay, uh, one other thing here, if you don't mind. Now, I've noticed that uh, Whitecap is probably the most active it's been for the number of drilling rigs in Saskatchewan that I recall. But the other larger producers, particularly Crescent Point and Synovus, they've been drilling at one quarter to one fifth of what they used to have for the number of rigs compared to just before COVID. Is something going on in Saskatchewan that uh, the rigs aren't flying out the door like they used to, with uh, oil prices being in the 90s? Brian, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that go into answering that, but I think, you know, consolidation is obviously going to play a, a role in why the overall rig activities are lower than, than they were before. Uh, can't speak to the uh, to the other parties, but, uh, you know, we have a fairly well-balanced capital deployment program across all of our assets, and uh, yeah, I'd say consolidation is probably the, the front runner as to why there's a lower rig count, in my opinion. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. And at this time, gentlemen, we have no other questions registered. Please proceed. Okay, well, just to, in essence to close off, I, what I do want to emphasize is that 2022 is, is shaping up to be another strong year for Whitecap and our shareholders. Our ability to take advantage of uh, the market conditions to increase the profitability of our business and improve our sustainability over the long term along with our focus on operational execution and pursuing new revenue streams across the energy transition is a competitive advantage. We are excited for what Whitecap is able to accomplish this year, not only from a financial standpoint and the returns that we will generate for our shareholders, but how we are able to further position Whitecap as an ESG leader as the world transitions to the lower carbon economy. I feel it is important and appropriate to provide kudos to our valued employees for your continued efforts over the past year, to our board of directors for your ongoing support and guidance, and to everyone on the call for your interest in Whitecap. On closing, it is my hope that the events unfolding in the Ukraine, that peace can be found for those directly affected, praying for the safety and those seeking to live in freedom and security. Sincere thanks to everyone for your participating in the call today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending, and at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.